Hey, I didn't get to say it yet. Happy Labor Day weekend, everybody. Come on. You can be excited about that. I mean, this is the day that we get off work and then we work at home, right? I mean, you're all laughing because you do it. I do it. I love getting stuff done around the house. But uh, hey, it's, it's an exciting time of the year. I mean, I am super thankful and blessed to get to preach to you today. And uh, we're going into the fall. And the fall is such an exciting time of the year. I mean, kids are going back to the school. If you're a parent in here, you're like, amen, praise God. <laughs> Go, like spend some time away from home for a little bit. Uh, but for some of you, I mean, this might be like your first time that, that one of your kids are going to school or going to college, and that's a really like big deal. It's a, it's a cool moment, and, uh, and I just praying for you guys for that. That's awesome. And uh, I love this time of the year too, because, because fall, I'm a farm boy, and fall is the most exciting time of the year, I think. I mean, spring is amazing, and, and you're, you're planting and everything, and then all summer you're kind of doing stuff, but the fall is such a beautiful time of the year. The, the, the trees are beautiful, but it's harvest time, and, and it's really busy, but you don't care because it's harvest time. This is what you've been waiting for all year, and I feel like that's how it is for us in the church world. I mean, it's like, you know, we, we got our summer off, and we did our traveling and everything, and we got to go to the lakes and everything, but, but man, fall is coming, and I think it's, it's an exciting time of the year. We got life groups launching back up, and, uh, and I just encourage you guys, don't miss the opportunity to get plugged in into community where God can do something in you. You can grow and grow closer to other people. People and get plugged in on a life team. We got amazing life groups kicking off here soon. We got core groups uh, like Alpha. If you haven't heard of Alpha, Alpha is an amazing ministry. Uh, my heart as your campus pastor is that everybody here goes through Alpha. And then I want you to go through Freedom. There are two key classes for discipleship. And you might be like, well, why Alpha? 1 Peter 3.15 says this, but in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And the awesome thing about Alpha, besides the amazing food we, give, we feed you, is, is that you get to get that figured out in your heart. We all need to know the why. Why do I believe? Like, you need to know that for yourself. And then people might ask you out, out in your jobs or your schools or wherever, and you need to have an answer for why you believe. And so I think a lot of people honestly think Alpha is just for beginners, but it's not. It's for all of us. It's a sharpening tool because a lot of you think you have the answers, but when someone asks you right in front of your face, you have to, you have to now you find out, like, I, actually, I don't know the answers and I got to learn this. I got to get better at this. So that's Alpha. Freedom. Freedom's all about being saved and being set free. Jesus died so we could live a free life. Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ sets you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Freedom is all about understanding the freedom that we have in Christ and then living and walking in it. Now Explore, Explore is a, is a, a core group that we do here at River Valley. And you know that we've received the great commission from Jesus. He said, go. And uh, Explore is all about you understanding, like, how does that look for me and my life? 
Uh, it's not just for people called to missions. We're all on mission. So how does that look for you life, your life? And then there's sisterhood. This is what we do for the ladies. They meet right in here. And, uh, and sisterhood is literally all about being empowered to reach your full potential in Christ while realizing the incredible value you have on this earth. It's not just ladies sitting around talking about the latest fads and stuff. No, they're, they're going after Jesus. They're growing in Jesus and they're growing closer to one another. Um, so go to the life groups page, please. There's so many more life groups. We have life groups meeting in coffee shops, in restaurants, in homes. And uh, go to the life group page, find the one that's right for you and get signed up. And then get on a life team and serve. We want you to serve. This is important for you. This is important for you to know that I have a purpose and I have a part to play in this family, in this church. Uh, so our heart is that you serve one, you attend one, one weekend a month. I had a, I had a coffee meeting with a guy the other day. He, he, got, uh, he goes, I have to talk to my recruiter. He's in the National Guards. He goes, I got to talk to my recruiter about that one weekend a month thing because he goes, it's way more than one weekend a month. But uh, we promise if you sign up for one weekend a month, that's, that's where you'll serve. So, hey, we have an awesome service sermon series coming up. Uh, it's on Philippians chapter 4. If you know anything about the New Testament, uh, Paul wrote uh, almost half of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. Amazing, amazing, amazing letters. And Philippians is one of my favorite. He wrote actually this letter to the church in Philippi during his imprisonment in Rome. And, uh, and it is one of my favorites in the Bible. But this is what I love about the church in Philippi. It's pretty interesting. It's a lot like River Valley Church. From day one, from the, from the onset, from when Philippi, when Paul planted Philippi, they somehow caught what he was doing and they were on mission. They actually supported a lot of Paul's missionary journeys. And from day one, our lead pastor, Pastor Rob and Becca, have had a heart for missions, a heart for evangelism, and we, we at River Valley Church want to reach the world for Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen for that? Come on. So needless to say, I'm excited to go through Philippians 4. That's what that all meant. But today, we're going to get a little more warmed up for it by going through some key verses in Philippians chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to Philippians 1, or if you have your app on your phone, uh, you can open up to Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. And we're going to go through some key verses here, and then we're going to unpack them. Okay? So I'm going to read this to you, and you can read along. It's up on the screen. Philippians 1, verse 3. Paul said this, he said, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. There is so much packed in these few verses, and, and we're going to unpack them because the, I believe there's some key things in here, some very simple key things that we can apply to our lives to keep us on mission and going after all that God has for us. Uh, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I just titled this United on Mission. United on mission. And uh, the first thing that, that Paul talks about is it, Paul is always giving thanks. 
And there is so much power in having a heart of gratitude. I don't know if you, if you read a lot of Paul's letters, you'll see he is constantly thanking God. And I, I believe like this is a key discipline for all of us to just have this heart of gratitude. We're constantly thankful for all that God's done in our lives. One of the things that I do to keep a thankful heart is, is right, right before I go to bed, you can ask Sue, it's kind of funny, she picks on me because like I have this thing, it's like a coffin pose and I'm just, I'm laying there, but I'm, I'm praying and I end my day right before I go to bed. I am thanking Jesus for everything that I can think of from that day, good or bad day. I am thanking Jesus for that day and I want to go to sleep thanking Jesus. And then when I wake up, before I even get out of bed, I'm not kidding you, I'm not making this up. I literally get up and I just greet God because I believe God is always with me. And I'm like, good morning. And then I start thanking him right off the bat for the day. I start thanking him for another day. I thank him for a good night's sleep. I thank him for a house over my head. I thank him for everything I can think of right before I get out of bed because I want to end and start my day thanking Jesus. I believe there's so much power in having a heart of gratitude. And have you ever been doing something really hard and like you feel kind of alone and then all of a sudden people come alongside you and they start helping you, and, and you know that feeling that you have in your heart when you're doing something hard and you got key people that you can just depend on. That's, that's what's happening here is Paul just has this amazing gratitude. It's overflowing, and I can totally relate because that's how I feel being your campus pastor. Not kidding. There's so many of you that get it. There's so many of you that are on mission with us and the staff, and, and you know what we're going. We're going after people. We're going after people who are hurting. We're going after people that have no hope. And I don't know about you, I want to live the kind of life that when people think about me, that they are thanking God. That's how I want to live. Amen? Amen. The second thing Paul shows us is that he is not just a man of prayer. He is a man of joy-filled prayer. A lot of you, you believe in the power of prayer. You believe God answers prayer. I do too. And, and there is something in the Bible, when you read in the Bible, that, that there is this thing called the joy of the Lord. And nothing can replace the joy of the Lord. I, I'm, I'm just being honest. When I was a new Christian, I thought it was just something Christians said. I didn't think it was a real thing. I'm just being honest. I thought they just said it like like positive thinking, you know, like joy of the Lord, like what's the reason, you know, until I experienced it for myself, until I experienced it myself. And what had happened was I was going through a hard time in my life. I was kind of like, I, I just, my identity was messed up. I was doing a job that I've never done before. And I had no reason to be happy. I had no reason for hope or, or happiness. But I remember all of a sudden one day I just drive along and, and I just felt it. I had this like weight lifted off me and, and I just felt this joy. I can't explain it. And that's, what, that's the joy of the Lord. It's, it's kind of unexplainable. It's not natural. It's supernatural grace from God by the Holy Spirit. And I believe that there's there's key way to go about this, you know, when you're going through a hard time, and some of you in this room might be might be right there. You might be going through something really hard right now, and it's kind of weighing you down, it's worrying you. But I'm just telling you, in those moments when you finally like just throw up your hands and you go, you know what, God, I can't do this. And you surrender whatever that is to God and allow him to do what he's going to do and trust that he's going to get you through it and it's going to be better on the other side than you can ever imagine. I believe that weight lifts off and the joy of the Lord just unleashes in your heart. 
And, and I believe in this moment, Paul was experiencing that joy when he was thanking and praising God for the Philippians because he wrote this letter again from a jail cell. He's more likely chained to a guard. And has anyone been in jail? Uh, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I see that hand. I see that hand. I see <laughs> Being transparent, okay? And now this is the, the BC topper days, okay? Before Christ, not now, but, but before Christ, you might not have a hard, or you might have a hard time believing that I had a hard time making good decisions, uh, especially in my college days. Uh, I made some really poor choices and me and my roommates ended up in jail one night. And uh, if you know me, I'm like 150% extrovert and they put me in a padded jail cell. It's like they knew me. And, uh, and I was all alone. And like, I hated it. I did not want to be there. Like, I couldn't stand it. And uh, thank God, like, I was only there for a few hours. Someone, praise God, bailed me and one of my roommates out. Kind of funny, <laughs> one of our roommates, evidently we didn't have enough money or didn't care about him, but we didn't bail him out. <laughs> and so he stayed in there all night. And like, I think he called us like the next morning. That was his one phone call or whatever. And we're like, Loopy, how you doing? And, and he's like, it's not too bad. Like, like I got TV on, we're, we're eating Burger King for breakfast. And he was just having a good time. I'm like, so confused. I do not know. Uh, whatever. So, but here, Paul, I mean, Paul is writing this letter with joy and he'd been in jail for months, probably years, to be honest, on and off in this, in this actual period of his, of his walk. And I mean, he's supposed to be out spreading the gospel. I mean, how frustrating is that? Yet he's able to write this letter with joy. And I asked the question, and I really believe this, that there, prayer is powerful. This is why we have prayer cards on your seats. This is why we have prayer teams at the end of service. But you combine prayer with a thankful heart and a joy-filled heart, and I believe prayer goes to another level. I believe God's ears are just attentive when our, we got thankful hearts and joy-filled hearts. And prayer, Paul was a, a man not just of prayer, but of constant prayer. Look at what he wrote to the church in Thessalonians, the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. He says this, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do you see the pattern? Joy, prayer, thanks. This is how Paul rolled. This is what he did. He was always giving God praise. He was always praying, and he was praying with a thankful, joyful heart. It says he was praying without ceasing. How many of you believe that's impossible? How in the world could I pray without ceasing? And uh, John MacArthur, he shared this. He said, this quantity of prayer is not natural, but it's supernatural. Only a man or a woman continually filled with, controlled by, enabled by, empowered by the Holy Spirit can pray without ceasing. And I'm just being honest, when I read that, I just, I just had to stop what I was doing and I just started walking and praying through my home because like this gripped me, this truth gripped me and I have a heart to pray without ceasing and I wanted God to fill me fresh with his Holy Spirit. I want to live a life where I have uh, spirit-led, spirit-empowered, and I am praying nonstop where if you want to talk to me, you got to interrupt me because I am praying. That's how I want to live. 
And how awesome would that be, church, if that was like not just me, but all of us, like that was our life. No doubt in Acts, like they got baptized in the Holy Spirit and the very first gift they received was a gift to pray. It was a prayer language. It was a, it was a, it was a prayer. Okay, so a lot of us worry and when we're worrying, what do we do? We think without ceasing. Like we're literally, our brains are just, and it's not thinking of anything productive. We're probably thinking of the worst thing we could be thinking about. We're mulling it over in our minds. And then God, he gives us this gift, this way to pray where we can shut this off and we can pray from here. And it's the Holy Spirit praying through us. That's how I want to live, church. That's how I want you to live. Amen? Amen. Come on, we can clap for that. The third thing that he says is there's great power in partnership. There is great power in partnership. There is power and strength in a common goal. Our goal to hit 325,000 for kingdom builders this year is not just one or two of us doing it. We're all doing it. We're doing it together. It's a shared common goal. And when you do that, this is powerful. In the Philippian church, they were not a church of spectators. They weren't just believers. They were straight up disciples. They were participators in the gospel work of Jesus Christ. They understood from the get-go that if Paul's on mission, we're on mission and we're with him. And the actual word that Paul used here for partnership was a Greek word, koinonia. Koinonia, I think I'm saying it right. It's a verb, and it says to share, to associate oneself with, to be made partner. It is a unity that is brought about by the Holy Spirit. And, and I know like the, there's another English word that you probably recognize. The same, the same Greek word means fellowship. And when I say fellowship, you probably think of like hanging out in the lobby, talking, or maybe like, like having lunch together or that kind of stuff. Like, hey, we're fellowshipping. Yeah, well, that's kind of what that means. But the more, like, the more applicable word here that, that Paul was using was like, hey, we are joined together and we're on mission. Like, you're not just alone, like, we're together, and we're on mission, and we're going to do this thing. And Paul had a mission, and that was to spread the gospel to the, to the Greek, unknown, unchurched world. And the, the, the Philippian church was in partnership, koinonia, with Paul. And I know that this church has a heart that beats with that same passion. We want to be a partnership. We want to be on mission for Jesus. And if you haven't stepped into that mission yet, what's holding you back? Let's go, church. Come on. Be a kingdom builder. Be on mission. Get on a global team. Let's go do this. Let's reach people for Christ. The fourth thing that Paul shares in this verse, this is the last thing. He says, be assured, God will complete what he has started in you and with you. Be assured, God is going to complete this. He's going to finish this thing. And does anyone know anyone uh, who, or someone who's really good at starting stuff, but they are really terrible at finishing it? <laughs> I mean, you, you maybe have a honey-do list at home, and there's some things on that list that literally I think the ink on the paper is getting old-looking because it's been there so long. Uh, I'm just being transparent. We had a, a project at home once, um, a blind, notice how I used the word once because it was a while ago. We had a blind 
in our, in our bedroom and the one cord broke. So when you pulled on the string, it literally one side of the blind would lift up. And so we had to fix it. And Sue did a great job. She ordered the new you know, piece of rope or whatever. And she actually tried fixing it herself, but she couldn't do it. So she asked me to help. And, and I'm like, sure, I'll get to it someday. And then uh, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this. It wasn't like a week or a month or a year. It was like two years, I think, it took me before I finally got it done. And, uh, and then I've you know, I'm like, hey, let's do this. So we did it. It literally took like an hour. Like it took like an hour and we had it done. So two years and it only took an hour. But some of you, serious, like some of you have had that happen to you where someone just put something off. Maybe you built a house and the contractor was terrible. But what we do is we take these experiences that we have with people and then we associate the same thing with God. And we assume subconsciously that God is like us. That, that, that God started something in me or in someone else around me and, and he's not going to finish it. Couldn't be farther from the truth. God's not like that. That's not our God. He's not imperfect like us. He is perfect and he is going to finish what he started. No, Paul is assuring the Philippian church that God is faithful. He started something in you and he started something in me and he's going to finish it. Amen. Amen. Now there's this cool part about this. Whenever God starts something, he wants to work with us. There's this partnership that God wants to work with us. There's our part. There's God's part. God is working constantly in tandem. He wants to work with us and through us. There, there are lost people to get saved. There are people that are blind that need to see. There are people that, that need healing that, that we can heal. There are hopeless people that need to find hope. And there are dead people that need to live. And you might be like, well, what are you talking about? We all at one time were dead in our sins. Yet Jesus, but Jesus came in and he forgave us and got rid of the sin problem. And now we have this life, eternal life in Christ Jesus. And there's other people out there that God wants to reach and we got to breach them. Now there's this beautiful work that not only are we working with God, but there's this beautiful working in tandem in us. And it's our faith and our actions, our faith in our actions are working hand in hand. And C.S. Lewis nails this in his book, Mere Christianity. I just want to read this to you. He says this, Christians have often disputed as to whether what leads the Christian home is, a, is good actions or faith in Christ. I have no right really to speak on such a different question, but does seem like uh, to me like asking which blade on a pair of scissors is most necessary. I love that. Uh, he goes on to say, a serious moral effort is the only thing that will bring you to the point uh, where you throw up, your, throw up the sponge. Faith in Christ is the only thing to save you from the despair at that point. And out of that faith in him, good actions must inevitably come. That pretty much nails it. In the very next chapter in Philippians 2, we see this in, in what Paul, uh, or Philippians 2.12, Paul was writing again, he's still writing to the Philippians, and he says this, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important to work hard and show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For, for God is working in you, giving you the desire 
and the power to do what pleases him. That verse, and you, you can see it in verse 12, he's like, he's like, look, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, it's like it's on us to make it happen. And then the very next verse, he says, God's given you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. If you need a verse to pray over yourself, those are some awesome verses because I want not only the desire, I want the power to do what, God, what pleases God. It's like that saying, maybe you've heard it, Work hard like it depends on you. Pray hard like it depends on God. That's where we find ourselves working with God. Now, this verse actually has like two components to it that I think we can believe on. And I want to reread it. In verse 6, it said, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Now, one, I believe this is an encouragement to you and me that, that the good work that God started in you and me, he's going to finish. This speaks to that sanctification. How many of you know that you get saved and things change, but you're not perfect? But perfection is where God is taking us. And that's the plan and the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in, inside of each of us. And what happens is when, when we realize this, we literally give the Holy Spirit full access to ourselves, to our lives. We give the Holy Spirit permission and the Holy Spirit will take maybe things and people out of our lives that aren't helping us. And then he brings the right things and people into our lives and brings them around us to help us get to where God is taking us. That's what the Holy Spirit does when we allow him. There's a second flip side to this where, where God is faithful. If like maybe you started something by sharing the gospel with a friend or you're praying for a family member and, and maybe you've been praying for healing where God is faithful to finish what you started. I believe God does that. God is faithful to finish what you started. And you know this, that, that we're in this job of co-laboring with God. And if there is one job that we for sure have, that's sowing seeds. Just so you know, I'm not the only farmer in the room. You're all called to be farmers. In Mark 4.14, Jesus said this. He said, the farmer plants a seed by taking God's word to others. That's our job. So our part is to sow the seed of God's word. We sow it in our lives. We sow it in people around us. We sow it in our workplace, in our schools, in our neighborhoods. We share the hope of Jesus. And then sometimes God's going to use us or other people to come alongside on those same seeds and water them with encouragement or loving kindness and good works and good deeds, and then God's going to make it grow. Some might say that God's doing it all. We just literally surrender our lives and allow him to flow through us. Either way, Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 3.6. He said this, I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. I just want you to know, God is faithful. We can trust him with the, with the most near and dear things. You can trust him with your lives. And I got to ask this question. What has God started in you, in your life, that you're still waiting for him to finish? What is it today? Is it salvation of a friend or a family member? Is it, is it healing? Are you praying and believing for healing for yourself or someone else? Do you have a calling on your life and you know it's God's calling for you, for whatever it is, and you're waiting, you're in this time of waiting. You've been preparing, you've been, you're going to school, whatever it is, and, and you're waiting. God is faithful. Don't worry. Maybe it's your freedom. 
Maybe you've been struggling, battling with something, and you want to be set free. Don't give up. Don't quit. Today is another day. God is faithful. He is going to see it through to the end. Please know that though Paul was in prison, he could say with full faith that God is faithful. He will finish it. He will do it. Paul knew this, that the Philippian church that he was so blessed to start, he was there. He planted that church and, and they got it. And, and they are with him, and they are still with him at this moment when he writes this letter from jail that even though Paul was limited because he was in jail, the word of God wasn't limited because the Philippian church was on mission with him. Can I get an amen for that? They were in partnership with Paul. We are in partnership with God, and we step into this fall season. I ask you this question, what's your mission? What's your mission? How is God using you? What have you surrendered of your life that you're going to let God do a work in you and then you're going to work out your salvation with fear and trembling? God wants you to jump in and be the church. Don't just show up and leave. Participate. Be participation. Be a person that's in a life group. They're kicking off soon. Get in one. Get plugged into a life team. If you're a teenager in here and you don't go to youth group, we have an amazing youth group on Wednesday nights. It's for you. Why aren't you coming? Like, where's the, where's the shutdown? Where, where are you not understanding that you're supposed to come in here, get filled up, get community with your friends your age, and then you're supposed to go reach your school? That's your mission field. We're on mission. We're on mission. Now, as I close this out, I want you to close your eyes. And then I want you, as, as your eyes are closed, I want you to remember that moment where God broke into your life. And you might say, well, pastor, I'm like a career Christian. Like I got saved in the church. I was born actually in the church and all that. And I get that. There's some of you in this room. But there was a moment where your faith became real. There was a moment where it wasn't your parents' faith anymore. It was your faith. I want you to remember that moment. I want you to remember the people that God used to help get you where you are today, to be saved to be on mission. Now today, as we pray and close in prayer, I want you to grab that mantle that, that it's your job and my job to keep doing that, to keep replicating that, to keep making disciples. So dear Heavenly Father, we come with thankful hearts. We can't thank you enough for the cross. We can't thank you enough, God, that you willingly sent your one and only son to this earth to die for us to give everything. You gave it all so that we could have life, eternal life. And God, I pray for us right now to be freshly filled with your Holy Spirit, to have that joy of the Lord filled spirit where we are constantly praying. We pray without ceasing because we know that you hear our prayers, that you, you work through our prayers. We are in partnership with you, God. We are on mission we believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, needs to get across this earth. Use us, however that looks. And God, we are faith-filled that the work you started in us and the work that you started on this earth, you're going to finish it until the day that Jesus Christ comes back. God, we surrender our lives to you. And I pray this fall, this season that you have us in, God, is better, going to be better than any other in our whole life. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.
Amen.